Welcome to the Scratch My Brain Podcast, brought to you by ScratchMyBrain.com. Alright everyone, hello. This is Jeff Albert, your host of the Scratch My Brain Podcast. Welcome to episode number two. Um, have some cool things in store today. Going to review a new Rob Wagner CD. Uh, got a live Jeb Bishop track for you from uh, 2002, recorded when his trio was on tour down south here. A um, couple things to start off. I got a few emails from some people that listened to episode number one, and they were all encouraging, so I appreciate that. Thanks for taking the time to write. Um, and I'd like to encourage you, if you have something to say about the podcast, positive or negative, uh, please feel free to email me, jeff at scratchmybrain.com. Or even better, uh, go to the website, scratchmybrain.com, and find the podcast um, post. You know, it's it's laid out like a blog, so each each topic has a post. You know, find the post for the podcast and leave your comment in the comment section there. That would be great because then uh, everybody else could see it and maybe we'll get some discussion going amongst the listeners. And uh, feel free to comment on the other topics as well. Um, but that would be great. I'd love to see your comments there. If you want to email me, I appreciate that as well. But use the comment section. That'll be cool. There's a few things that uh, I posted about on the site that I want to talk about here briefly before we get to the music. Uh, one of the first things is an an article from the New York Times uh, back on like the 10th or the 11th uh, talking about the band Korn. And I have to admit, I don't really listen to Korn. I don't know that I've ever heard a Korn song. Uh, But this is more about the way they do their music than uh, what their music is. And I wouldn't want to be accused of being an art snob. But I have to tell you, I, I don't know what these guys sound like. Um, but they've they've sort of set up a new business model that uh, that I find very interesting, in that the band and the record label and the promoter are sort of all in the same boat. Um, traditionally, you know, the band has made all their money the way they can. They get what they can from the record company, get what they can from the tour promoter. Um, you know, deal with the merchandise, deal with everything sort of as separate entities, and they've they've sort of combined this now. And gone into a partnership with this one particular promoter. I forget who it is that's promoting their shows. And uh, and as I recall, the record label's involved as well. And I think that's a great idea. Because it, it really puts everyone in the same boat to make sure that the whole team's making money. So that uh, you don't end up in a situation where the record company's thinking, well, we don't care if they sell any concert tour tickets because we don't get any of that. And the tour promoters thinking it doesn't really matter if they sell any records as long as people come to the concerts. And it leaves the band in a situation where they have people working for them, the promoter and the record company, that uh, that don't have unified interests. And uh, and I think putting everyone sort of in the same financial boat like that is a good thing. Because uh, when we all work together to try to get things to happen, that's uh, that's generally how they happen the best. Another interesting thing uh, that I saw on the web this week, a link from the Electronic Frontier Foundation about a couple of record companies, uh, one called Merge Records and the other called Saddle Creek Records, that are offering free MP3 downloads to their customers who buy vinyl versions of their releases. 
Um, these are indie companies that, that still do some business in vinyl. You know, there are people out there that like to buy vinyl. And some of these bands are putting out things that are vinyl-only releases. And uh, sort of as a service to their customers that also have portable players or listen on their computer or whatever, they're offering free MP3 downloads to the customers that bought the vinyl. So you don't have to go home and hook up the turntable and dump it into the computer and do all that. And I, I think that's a brilliant move. Um, that's that If all of the music industry thought like that, we would be in a great position right now. I heard a very interesting interview on Soundcheck the other day. I've mentioned Soundcheck before. It's a show um, on WNYC, which is a New York public radio station. Um, I hear it on XM sometimes, and I get the podcast, which they'll do not every story, but some stories every day on the podcast. And uh, they had a great interview with uh, Dana, uh, Dana Joya, is the guy's name. He's the chairman of the NEA, and he's a poet, actually. Um, it was on uh, last Thursday, I believe. That was uh, the 12th, January 12th. And um, you can go to the the Soundcheck website and uh, listen to the whole interview. It's WNYC.org. Or if you go to scratchmybrain.com, uh, I posted about it on January 14th, and there's a link to it there. The whole interview is good, and it's interesting. Uh, but there's one thing that he said that that I think is just totally right on. And he was talking about having well-rounded artists. Um, he said, you know, you'll run into poets that will complain that, oh, there's no scene for poets, but the poets don't support the musicians and don't go to art galleries. And you'll run into musicians who say, oh, our scene's dying, there's no one here. But the musicians don't read books and don't go to art galleries and don't support other artists. We need to all strive to be well-rounded artists and well-rounded consumers of art. Um, I know that's something that I've been working on lately, so it made me feel good to hear him say that. been forcing myself to read things um, that aren't directly music-related. You know, read a novel, to read poetry, to do, you know, to do those things. And I, I think those things make me a better musician. Uh, they definitely expand my horizons and, and also end up supporting other artists, which is all very important. Um, so do that. Be a well-rounded artist. Support even the, the things. It, it's amazing what you'll find that interests you um, when you go out looking for stuff that you don't know you're looking for. Um, I've noticed all of my really interesting musician friends are well-read and have been to art galleries. And, and you end up sitting having a conversation with them. And most of the time what you end up discussing is not music. Uh, but these guys make great music. And, as, and I think it's because they're sort of complete. They have complete artistic personalities. I think that's a very important thing. Um, one more post from the website that I'm going to talk about. Which I actually posted today. Uh, well, yesterday. The 16th. It's Anyway. Yes, on the 16th is when I posted it. There's a, a story on Yahoo News talking about music kiosks, which you may have seen in a, you know, a coffee shop or Walmart or somewhere where you can go and uh, punch into the little machine and pick seven or eight songs and it'll burn it onto a disc for you. And uh, this story was talking about putting these kiosks in all these places. Um, 
It says still kiosk business is at an all-time high, with some providers readying U.S. deployments numbering in the thousands. An executive at startup kiosk provider Mediaport says, such major chains as Starbucks and McDonald's have experimented with them. I don't know about you, but I've never found myself in McDonald's feeling like, oh, I got to buy a record right now. I, I need new music immediately while I'm waiting for my Big Mac or two Big Macs or whatever it is that day. I, I just, I, I don't, like, I understand the technology. I think it's cool that you can have access to that many songs in one place, but I just don't understand putting it in a, in a McDonald's or at the airport. I, I, I guess I can see at the airport if you're waiting for a plane, you want to buy some new music. But I don't, I don't carry a CD player with me anymore. I guess I could listen on my laptop. Um, but the the machines won't hook up to your iPod. Some MP3 players they will hook up to. I don't know. I just the, the way these some of these mainstream music companies behave really reminds me of the government on on many levels. They they can take what could be a great idea and a really cool thing, and just end up messing it up figuring out some way to make it not work. You know, the the way major record labels have dealt with the internet is very similar. Oh, this could be a great way to deliver music. Let's see how we can still make it inconvenient for our customers. Anyway, that was my little rant about digital music. But at least people are trying new things. And I, I think that's the important part because I'm convinced that digital delivery of music is the future of our business. And it's the future of, of making things viable for for artists, especially niche artists. Um, those of us that are never going to have a huge audience. Um, that's the way that it's going to work for us. So I'm, I'm glad people are trying new things with it. And eventually we'll, we'll settle into some system that works. That is the beginning of the Rob Wagner Trio's latest release on Valid Records. Uh, the CD is called Lost 
children. Um, you can check it out. Valid Records on the web is validrecords.com. Easy enough. Um, on the record is Rob Wagner on saxophones, James Singleton on bass and loops, and O.C. Davis on drums. Uh, this CD just came out. Uh, the CD release party was was January 16th, I believe. not familiar with Rob. Um, he's a saxophone player. Lives here in the New Orleans area. Or at least did before Hurricane Katrina. He's been back and forth since then. Um, I know he's been up in New York in the interim there. Um, but Rob's uh, pretty active on the New Orleans scene. Um, plays with New Orleans Klezmer All-Stars which is probably his highest profile gig, was a big part of the band Iris May Tango, if uh, if you're familiar with them from the New Orleans scene. And then does, uh, well, he's had with his trio a regular gig at DBA on Frenchman Street for about four years. Uh, so the band's become really tight. And uh, this, like I said, the new record's called Lost Children. And, and I've listened to it several times, and it, it's come to me that this record's really all about melodies. Um, you know, there's several things where, where there's unison statements of the song melody by the sax and the bass, but even in the improvisations, it's, it just, it's about melodies in that way that Ornette Coleman plays in such a melodic way. Even when Ornette plays fast, everything's really about melody and, and Rob's really reaching into that space on this record. Um, you know, there's grooves and motion but really through the whole thing, it seems that the melody is the focus. Let me play another little clip for you. Um, this is from the title track called Lost Children. That's a little bit of the title track from Lost Children by the Rob Wagner Trio. Uh, I had always associated Rob's trio as as essentially an acoustic trio. You know, like I said, they've been playing for about four years every Monday night at DBA, and it was always acoustic bass and saxophones and drums, usually with no PA. Uh, James would use an amp with his bass. But in the last year or so, James Singleton who's the bass player on this recording and has been the regular bass player in Rob's trio, um, has started using a, a great little electronics setup and doing loops and, and various effects and things. And what's impressed me the most about the way James does it is he always does it in, in this really organic manner and that uh, these loops will come in and, and you won't even realize that he's setting up this loop until all of a sudden you think, wow, there's two bass players playing. 
and then you realize, well, no, it's it's just James up there, and that he's he's just organically played this line, and it's become the loop, and now he's soloing over that, and the whole thing flows in a really beautiful and, and musical way, and it, it doesn't come off as the the gimmick of oh look at my new toy and look what I can do. Um, he he really uses it to serve the music, which I think is cool, and he does some of that on on this CD. Um, I'm going to play a clip for you. This is from a track called Little Lamb. James Singleton on bass, along with O.C. Davis on drums from the Rob Wagner Trio recording called Lost Children. There's a real consistency of of mood uh, throughout this record. Uh, There's lots of long, flowing melodies. Um, Nothing's really fast and hectic. Um, it's, It's got a real sort of introspective vibe to it. And, uh, and some of the song titles, uh, you know, the first track, um, which we heard at the very beginning, is also the first track on the disc, is called Wash Away Our Sins. There's another track called Lost Children. And the mood of the record and the, the titles of some of the songs um, really sort of led me to believe or, or feel like this, this could be Rob's response to Hurricane Katrina. Although the it was recorded in June months before the hurricane and uh, and I had intended to interview Rob uh, and and use some of that in in part of this review the logistics of that didn't really work out for us to get that done but uh, one of the main reasons that I wanted to talk to him was to ask him about that you know what do these tunes mean is is this about the hurricane is this about something else um you know was he did he just happen to be in that mood uh, when they made this record in June. And, and I realized that it, I didn't need to talk to Rob because it doesn't really matter what it was about to him. It it matters what it's about to me when I hear it or what it's about to you when you hear it. Reminds me of a, an interview that I heard with Joshua Redman years ago. And somebody asked him essentially, well, what does this song mean? And he said, well, I know what it meant to me when I wrote it. But uh, what really matters is what it means to you when you hear it. And that the listener brings meaning uh, as much as the composer does. I'm paraphrasing that. Uh, Hopefully I didn't misquote him too badly. 
Um, and I, th I think that's important in all of art that, uh, as artists, we have intentions, um, and things that we want something to mean or, or what it meant to us when we wrote it. But that often doesn't correlate to what it means to the listener or reader or whoever it is that's enjoying the art when they experience the art. And that uh, both of those emotions and meanings are completely valid. So uh, I decided I wasn't going to talk to Rob about it and that I could use this music for my own little post-hurricane healing, um, whether that's how he meant it or not. It also made me realize that pretty much everything uh, that we experience here in South Louisiana after these hurricanes uh, sort of gets seen through the filter of, of the aftermath of those storms. Um, and what led even more so to to my feeling that maybe this was about the storm was the last tune on this CD um, is called When Sax Was King. And it's this totally bouncy little happy-go-lucky vibe that's that's quite different from the rest of the CD. And uh, and it was, I, I sort of read it as Rob's way of putting a happy ending on this, which knowing Rob well enough, I'd, I, I doubt that that's the case. But uh, but that's what it meant to me. So I'm, I'm enjoying it this way. And I'm going to close this portion of the show with uh, a little bit of When Sax Was King from the Rob Wagner Trio recording Lost Children, available on Valid Records at validrecords.com. enjoyed that look at the new Rob Wagner Trio CD called Lost Children, um, which you can get more information about at validrecords.com. Um, there's one more thing I want to talk about before I play a little more music and close out the show. And that's um, 
syndication on the internet, RSS feeds and, and that sort of thing. Um, I've really only started to take full advantage of this in the, in the last few months, maybe six months. Um, so if, if you're not familiar with the RSS syndication, it's a, I've heard people say it stands for really simple syndication, but I don't know that any of this techie stuff is that simple. But uh, essentially what it is, is is it's a published feed that you can subscribe to um, in an RSS reader or um, some web browsers now uh, have the ability to get these feeds. Uh, for example, Safari um, in, in uh, OS 10.4, the Safari web browser from Apple, um, serves as an RSS reader. The uh, Thunderbird mail client from Mozilla Foundation also serves as an RSS reader. And essentially what it is, is you can go to websites that have RSS feeds and subscribe to them. And then uh, whenever new content is posted, it shows up in your reader and lets you click to go to the website or whatever. And uh, I've found that it's a great way to, to keep up with things uh, that interest me and, and to sort of stay on top of things that I would not seek out if I had to go to all these different websites every day. Uh, the reader that I use um, is a Macintosh-only reader called Newsfire. Um, there's another one called Net Newswire. Uh, Bloglines is an internet-based uh, reader that's very popular. Um, if you go to your favorite search engine and type in RSS reader, uh, you'll come up with all sorts of stuff. But it's it's great because I can, uh, you know, I've got probably. 35 different blogs and websites that I've subscribed to in my reader. Uh, Rift Tides, the, the blog from Doug Ramsey through Arts Journal. A couple of different feeds from All About Jazz with their articles and, and reviews. Uh, BBC News, CNET News, um, Salon.com, Wired News. Um, Arts Journal is, is a very cool music website. The Bad Plus has a blog that uh, they put some interesting stuff on. Um, there's another one called Bagatellin that's, that's got cool reviews. And, j you know, just a, a long number of, of uh, blogs and websites that have these feeds. Um, and so when I open my reader, then it shows up and, it, you know, it tells me, oh, well, there's new, new content on Dave Gibson's blog um, or new content on... Uh, you know, whatever. Dave Gibson's site, by the way, is jazzbone.org. Check that out. That's cool. He's got an interesting blog. Or, you know, the um, the Dave Douglas blog at greenleafmusic.com. And it'll show up there and I can read a little abstract of it and click to go to the site if I want to check it out or not. And uh, and that's the same technology that, that we use to subscribe to podcasts. Um, you know, if you subscribe to this podcast through iTunes, um, it's an RSS feed, or if you go to the website scratchmybrain.com and you look on the right-hand side, it'll say syndication, and then there's a little orange icon that's a plain old RSS feed, and then there's links for if you do blog lines or Yahoo or NewsGator or any of those, or the podcast subscriptions on uh, Odeo or Podnova or whatever. Um, so you can put those links into your reader, and then whenever new content's here, it will show up. Um, also, if, if you're, uh, I just want to remind you, if you're looking for the podcast on Scratch My Brain, and you get there, 
after I've posted other things. There's a link at the top. It says click here for podcasts or over on the side in categories. There's a category for podcasts. If you click on that, it'll show you all the podcasts. So if you'd like to comment on one of them or uh, or check out one that you missed possibly or whatever, do that there. I'm going to do one more tune for you here. This is a, a live recording by the Jeb Bishop Trio. It was recorded in October of 2002 um, in Atlanta, Georgia. Features Jeb on trombone and Kent Kessler on bass and Till Mulvina on drums. Um, this recording is kind of special to me because the first time I heard Jeb play live was I think either the day before or the day after this concert in Atlanta. They were in New Orleans and I forget if they came to New Orleans from Atlanta or went to Atlanta from New Orleans. But, uh, but I heard Jeb at a club called the Blue Nile down on Frenchman Street. And, uh, and it was one of those highlight musical experiences for me uh, hearing the music that night and then listening to the CDs that I picked up that night really changed, uh, I don't want to say changed my concept, but really helped shape my concept of, of what I wanted to sound like. Um, and it's not that I wanted to really sound like Jeb, but hearing him do his thing helped me realize what my thing is. Um, it's interesting. So he's, he's been, a his music's been very influential to me. So it's nice to be able to feature a track from his trio live, uh, here on the, the podcast. This is called Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> Thank you. 
again, that's the Jeb Bishop Trio, live in Atlanta in October of 2002. The tune was called Piggly Wiggly. Uh, if you'd like to get a studio version of that tune, uh, Jeb recorded it on his Trio Quartet CD called Afternoons. That's uh, available at uh, most of your favorite CD retailers, hopefully. Um Anyway, like I was saying, it's it's an honor to get to play that Jeb tune there, and I'm going to get to work with him in Chicago here at the end of February, beginning of March. I'll be up there for about a week, and we're going to be doing all sorts of interesting things. Uh, we've got a septet that we're putting together called Lucky Sevens um, that we're going to record while we're there. So hopefully, in the self promotional part of the part of the podcast, at some point in the future, I'll be able to plug that album for you. And uh, I'll tell you more about all that as it comes up. Um, Thanks for listening. This has been episode number two of the Scratch My Brain podcast. Um, If you'd like to comment, please email me at jeff at scratchmybrain.com. Or uh, leave a comment uh, on the website in the comment section under the posts at scratchmybrain.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Scratch My Brain. Please visit us on the web at scratchmybrain.com. And as Father Valente would say, only listen to good music. <laughs>